on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. system from the uh, radical leftist, disgusting, uh, grooming uh, transgender agenda, this bill that uh, DeSantis passed recently with the overwhelming support of the people of Florida and the legislature, and Disney opposed it. Disney is just, it would not even stand for the idea that children maybe should be kept free of learning about transgender and being groomed towards transgenderism uh, in kindergarten. In any case, if you thought it was just the highest levels of Disney, Nick Caterano is here to tell you otherwise. He has spoken, met with, and, and been on stage with Governor DeSantis and others, basically trying to expose Disney's culture. Why this is so important is because it's important for Americans to understand how far the anti-American perverse left has succeeded in pushing their agenda of just transgender, it, I mean, it's, it is propaganda, it is luring, it is temptation to very small children and how Disney that used to be trusted by families for generations really plays a big part in continuing that just just perversion of the innocence of childhood. So Nick Codron tomorrow, Wednesday, I have Dr. Peter McCullough joining us and he's been on the show numerous times. He has a new book out. I'm going to read the name of it so I say it correctly. It's The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. I'm going to do a pretty much full show interview with him on Wednesday. The book is actually written by him, as well as a gentleman named John Leake, L-E-A-K-E, um, who is a historian who's written many, you know, fact-based books. I mean, he's a, he's an author, but he's not doesn't do fiction. He writes fact-based things. So John Leake and Dr. Peter McCullough, and among the many things, I mean, I already like the book by the title, but the idea of understanding the role the pharmaceutical companies play in America in, in, in perpetuating with what they played in perpetuating COVID-19, what they're about to play, if they can get away with it, on the, um, the uh, monkeypox. Uh, so th that's a great show. Then Thursday, um, I have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joining us, a longtime conservative um, advocate in America, many positions. Most of you know his name. I'll talk more about him. That's our show this week. So I hope you'll, st you'll come in. Stay tuned every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. My first five today, I called it Biden monkeying with pox and fear. I just want to play a segment. I will say nothing about it, but just play this segment. I sent to uh, Mr. Emilio, my new producer. Um, actually, not so new anymore. So my, you know, getting there, getting to be old producer, um, who is going to play a, a little clip of Biden um, getting off a plane, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, you can cut it off. Okay, now you might have wondered why that's so interesting because you didn't even hear him say anything. Did you notice 
He's getting off. He's in South Korea, by the way, being greeted by dignitaries as he lands in South Korea. He's walking down the, the steps from his jet, from his whatever, where he flew on, Air Force One, whatever. He's walking down all by himself, no one within 20 feet of him wearing a mask. So he's virtue signaling. Yeah, see, uh, even the president, I wear a mask. But as soon as he gets within, you know, a foot's distance from all of these dignitaries in South Carolina, I'm, excuse me, in South Korea, he takes off the mask. He's not even on the bottom step yet and takes the mask off. And then the entire rest of the time, he's blathering away with these South Korean dignitaries, you know, right in their face. They're right in his face, shaking hands. Oh, yeah, Lena, blah, blah, blah. Really close. No mask. And I wanted to see that because you have to understand, if you don't already, that the masks did not ever stop the spread of COVID, nor will they stop the spread of monkeypox. He's over there. Biden's over there talking to South Koreans about, you know, handling the next crisis. My gosh, the next crisis is coming along. Your monkeypox might be coming and other things. He's not wearing a mask when he's near the people because he knows, because his advisors told him a long time ago they don't do any good. But he'll wear it as a stunt. Do not give him credit for being nice or trying to set a good example. It's a stunt. It's an effort to continue the messaging to the American people that, um, you know, we better wear masks all the time. Look, even the president has one. That's my first point. Second is monkeypox is the new, you know, uh, bugaboo on the, on the horizon. And monkeypox has all of a sudden captured the attention uh, of the world. In fact, there was a bit of an outbreak in Belgium. And I want to tell you about that uh, outbreak in Belgium. First of all, there are two things you should read on our website today. Actually, read the whole website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. We loaded all these articles in there. One is by a doctor uh, named Dr. Robert Malone. He's been on the show before. Wonderful, wonderful doctor, uh, a truth teller about vaccines and COVID. And now he's on to monkeypox. He has an article called Monkeypox Truth versus Fear Porn. It's a great term. I'm going to talk about his article in a second, but Sam Faddis, uh, also wonderful, wonderful um, writer, author, and who is one of our speakers at our fall summit. Sam Faddis has a piece out called The Great Monkeypox Scam, Just Say No. I'm just going to share a few facts because we're now at this, oh my gosh, we're starting the next shutdown, you know, big fear. Everybody everybody, mask up and stay home and do all sorts of other things um, that you uh, think you, you thought you had to do to prevent COVID, which didn't prevent anything. Monkeypox has been around for a long time. First identified in 1958 in colonies of monkeys. Uh, humans have existed in close contact with monkeys who carry the virus for probably thousands of years. The disease has never killed any significant number of people, is not easily communicable. If you get monkeypox, you get a, a small lesions on your skin. And if you, it's kind of like chickenpox, which, which many people have had, there is absolutely no evidence. Please get these facts straight. No evidence of asymptomatic transmission. That was one way the left fulfilled their fear porn in America, was telling you, even if you feel perfectly great and you don't think you have COVID, you might have COVID and you might be transmitting it. So everybody better just shut, you know, sit down, shut up, stay home, wear masks. And it wasn't true. It wasn't true. So back to monkeypox. Uh, he says, this goes on to say, um, the disease spreads only spreads from an easily identifiable meaning you can already tell they have the disease because they have these lesions on their hands or arms, on their skin, uh, from one individual to another, almost exclusively transmitted from, please listen, from one man to another through sexual contact. If you're not having sex with a guy who has monkeypox, 
you're safe. You're pretty safe. And there was actually a, a leading theory to explain the more than 90 cases of monkeypox in a dozen countries, including in the U.S., was sexual transmission among gay and bisexual men at two raves, R-A-V-E-S, raves in Spain and Belgium. I don't wish disease on anyone. I wish for cures for every disease today. I also think the American people got to be standing up and speaking up and refusing to ingest the fear porn that is no doubt coming from the federal government and the NIH and Fauci on the subject of monkeypox. Other facts to know from Dr. Robert Malone, who is one of the bravest doctors in the United States of America. He says he's talking about, for example, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson learned, they learned from the pain of the epidemic they created. He says there will be no multi-billion dollar settlements with those injured. And they, during COVID, those three companies, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson Johnson, forced the world to take experimental drugs and walk away clean. And he goes on to say, Belgium has become the first nation to introduce a mandatory 21-day monkeypox quarantine for those who contract the virus after three cases were recorded in the country. Three cases in the country, and Belgium has a mandatory 21-day monkeypox quarantine, and he um, <laughs> and he's basically pointing out, you know, Malone is pointing out that this is a, a another situation in which the pharmaceuticals are going to jump on the opportunity to make billions at the expense of your fear and your health. FDA, by the way, already approved uh, a smallpox and monkeypox vaccine in 2019. We'll close out the first five by pointing out what Biden said, because believe me, the fear porn is coming. Here's a little clip we have of Biden talking about monkeypox. Mr. President, quick question. What have your health advisors told you your level of concern to be about monkeypox in the cases that are in the United States and around the world? Well, they haven't told me the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everybody should be concerned about. We're working on it hard to figure out what we do and what uh, vaccine, if any, may be available for. But it is a concern in the sense that if it were to spread, it's consequential. Okay. Um. So you hear what he's saying? You know, this should concern everybody. Health experts are baffled. I did read a tweet. I didn't dive in and read the underlying articles. I'm not going to say too much about it, but I did read a tweet in which uh, Robert Kennedy, you know, the, uh, the man who is now extremely active in, um, in advocating about the dangers of the COVID vaccines and the treatments they're doing, all that, has said that um, there has been work just as the COVID-19 virus was manipulated within the Wuhan virus, and it was actually not a naturally occurring virus. It was an inc invented bioweapon, COVID-19 virus, an invented bioweapon, and had the uh, makers of this bioweapon at the Wuhan lab and maybe other places spliced in dangerous elements into this before they released it onto the world. Kennedy is now saying he believes that some of the researchers and advocates for just international massive forced vaccination of everybody for everything have been working on trying to make the monkeypox virus more transmissible and more dangerous to humans, that this is all orchestrated. I want to say something about that. Um, in my conference this fall, if you didn't come to our first two Women for Freedom summits, uh, you know, which were extraordinary. I really hope you'll consider coming to the third one. It is here in Dallas on October 15th. 
and one of the speakers, a doctor who has been front lines, front and center, dealing with COVID. Uh, I had a long conversation on the phone with him uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how many doctors are recognizing there is a lineup of viruses coming. A lineup. Not meaning they expect them to occur naturally because of natural conditions, but these viruses are being created with the mission of being released, with the mission of having people become fearful about them, uh, submitting to vaccines because they don't dare challenge, and essentially having our country and our world ultimately become a very submissive, surrendering our freedom and our healthcare freedom to our governments because of perpetual release of viruses. I'm gonna let him tell you more about that at our summit, but I really, really encourage you to mark that date on your calendar very soon on our website, americacanbetalk.org. We're gonna have a list up of the enormously wonderful uh, list of speakers we have committed to October 15th here in Dallas. Uh, all the top uh, hot topics facing America. It is a great, great summit, one day summit a Friday evening VIP reception, which is really also very fun, um, and a great time to come and meet other patriots. We had people last year come all over the country. Love to have that again this year, October 15th. I'll tell you more about it. Okay, so the next topic I just called is Hillary did it, now what? And everybody who's paying even, you know, a little tiny bit of attention to the trial, this is, again, the trial where John Durham is finally bringing one case. Uh, he's prosecuting Sussman, uh, this guy Sussman, who was um, the, the Hillary... Uh, he was a lawyer for Hillary, and he's being prosecuted for lying to the FBI, uh, and actually lying to the DOJ, when he brought the uh, information, inside scoop, uh, during the 2016 uh, election campaign. He, Sussman, brought information to the Department of Justice claiming that he had information about uh, collusion between Trump and this Alpha Bank, Trump-Russia collusion story. So Sussman's planting that story at the DOJ and uh, said that he was not, at that time, acting on behalf of any client, when, in fact, he was ha acting on behalf of Hillary Clinton. This has raised, as we've talked about before, many, many issues of, you know, who, how much you're allowed to lie and, and, and what direction does he go? Does he say, no, I was representing her, in which case he's implicating her in her entire campaign. He's probably not excited about that idea. So if he says he was representing her, he's in trouble with her and the entire evil Clinton cabal. If he maintains I wasn't, uh, you know, acting on her behalf as, as uh, with her as my client, you know, it's, it's, he's that got him stone cold because he was. So it's an interesting situation. So a few things I want to tell you more about this, this Sussman case that I think are just kind of staggering. I've talked to you before about Washington, D.C. being just this snake nest, a viper's nest of swamp rats. I know that's mixing analogies, but it kind of fits. A viper's nest of swamp rats. I'm going to try to remember I said that. Although vipers eat swamp, eat rats, so I don't know. But anyway, all these people intermingled, and it's just, it's just revolting. And so we mentioned previously the judge who is overseeing this uh, prosecution of Sussman is married to a woman who's a lawyer who represents Lisa Page, one of the main actors in the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. So he's got a little bit of interest uh, or distraction in that direction. He also, as it turns out, and just, as he, again, it's just this swamp rat um, mode. This is Viper's Nest of Swamp Rats. It also turns out that his law school roommate, this is the judge, again, his name is Casey Cooper, um, and he was appointed to be a federal judge, I think, in 1988. Anyway, he became a federal judge, um, and he, um, so he's the one overseeing this trial, and he's the one, you know, who's married to someone representing 
someone who's got great interest in denying the whole collusion hoax. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about it is uh, this guy, Cooper, his Yale roommate, when he went to Yale for, I think, law school, I don't know if it was law school or undergrad, but his Yale roommate, the judge overseeing the prosecution assessment, his Yale roommate, was no one less than a guy whose last name was Rice, John Rice. John Rice is the, sis, is the brother of Susan Rice. Susan Rice, the endlessly, deplorably, uh, you know, just immersed in the whole Obama catastrophe of a presidency, Susan Rice. Um, she was then U.N. ambassador, now, then she was national security advisor. Uh, she's a focus of the controversy after the Benghazi attacks. So his, this judge is tied in to all these Obama people. Susan Rice, who many people, when you ask people who's really running the country, because it clearly is not Joe Biden, and people say, well, you know, Obama, Soros. Susan Rice is right up there in the top list of almost everyone. So this judge going to uh, give justice somehow, you know, going to follow the law and apply the law to the facts and all that, and this prosecution assessment uh, has heavy personal ties to the uh, Obama people, and namely Susan Rice. Other things going on, so that's a you know grotesque thing. But the big, the big um, you know news of the weekend was, or news from last week was, that there was testimony by Robbie Mook, M O O K or Mook, Robbie Mook, uh, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, and he actually said um, that the he said he testified as a witness, blah blah blah, um, and he said I get his exact words. I think I have them right here. Um, Maybe I don't. Yeah, but anyway, he basically said, yeah, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is the one who authorized the release of all of this information, um, authorized it to be released, all this Trump-Russia collusion stuff. So Hillary was not, uh, in fact, here's his language, he personally approved planting, he doesn't say it's a false claim, but in his testimony in the Sussman trial, Robbie Mook, working for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 campaign, said she personally approved planting the false claim that Trump had Moscow connections. So he's, he's pointing the finger right at Hillary. And I know you've already been reading this over the weekend. I just want to discuss a few ramifications of that. And just to think about who Hillary Clinton is and how she manages to maintain her stature in the Democrat Party. This is, you know, Hillary is trying to stay out of it. I don't know what they were doing. I'm just running for president. I got these lawyers. I got Fusion GPS. I get, you know, Perkins Coie. They're doing all these things. I'm just out there being a candidate. Although, as you recall, she wasn't hardly out there at all. She mostly stayed home, kind of like how Joe Biden ran his campaign also. In any case, she, Hillary, has, trying to, dis has tried to distance herself. Um, and this guy is saying, no, actually, she's the one who authorized it. She is the one who authorized it. A few other little details uh, that I thought were really wonderful. The Wall Street Journal, which, by the way, if you think the Wall Street Journal is some big conservative outlet, please understand all the news pages of the, Wall, of the Wall Street Journal are leftist journalists. There's like every other left-wing organization in this country, a media organization, Washington Post, New York Times, LA Times, all the big papers have left-leaning, far left-leaning journalists. Wall Street Journal used to have, well, yeah, but we have a conservative, um, you know, uh, editorial staff. Barely anymore. Just barely. But they put a piece out in the Wall Street Journal. Hillary Clinton did it. Basically saying the whole country knows now that Hillary was behind releasing the Trump-Russia collusion story to the DOJ and eventually on the American public. 
For those of you listening on radio, I want to tell you I'm very sorry I started late today. I'm so glad you've tuned in. You have a three-minute break coming up. Please come back to America Can We Talk for a whole other half hour. For everybody else, I want to keep on talking about Hillary for a moment. Because I really want you to think about what Hillary has done to this country. So she ran for president. You may realize, remember, she ran for president first in 2008. And she was humiliated and mortified that the country liked Barack Obama better than they liked her. So she had to get out of the race, in the, of the primary. And, you know, as a favor, after Obama took office in 2008, he made Hillary secretary of state. So she's got, you know, another feather in her cap, another resume item. But, you know, she's just a... Uh, you know, ha has been corrupt to the core since the time her husband was president. And in fact, even before that, from the time her husband, Bill Clinton, was governor in Arkansas. I mean, the, the uh, trail of not just controversies, but scandals and, and, and outrageous conduct and outrageous and never, ever, ever, ever held accountable for any of the things she's done her whole life. So she runs in 2008. She's mortified because she loses to Obama big time. Now she's running in 2016. And I personally believe that when Hillary was running in 2016, because we now know about how the electronic voting machines are manipulated, I'm sure she was told, don't worry, Hillary, you got it this time. You're going to win the presidency in the 2016 campaign, which is, explains why she could not even face the country for like 24 hours before it was, it was obvious that they had to declare victory for Donald Trump in 2016. But back to the time of the campaign when she's running, I want you just to think about the level of evil personified by this woman. Even if what I just said is an incorrect assumption, I think she did. I think she was promised, you got it, don't worry, you're going to win. And every news outlet in the country said, you know, 99% chance Hillary wins, blah, blah, blah. She still couldn't take any chances. She wants power like every radical leftist on the planet Earth wants power. She wants power. She wants to control this country. And she actually thought she was this close to getting in the White House herself. That's what she thought, and she was very ready to do all of the radical anti-American Marxist things that left-wingers like Hillary would do. But she's still a little bit worried, even though she's been, you know, in my view, guaranteed she's going to win, and all the polling in the country told her that she was going to win. She still has the idea, or someone on the team has the idea, to cook up to try to tarnish Donald Trump's reputation because everyone watching the Republican side in 2016 can see, 2015 and 16 can see, Trump is rising to the top. I mean, he holds these rallies. They have tens of thousands of people, and he could hold a rally on five hours' notice and get tens of thousands of people to show up. It was just a sight to behold. So she's watching this popularity of Donald Trump. And, you know, of course, the news media is trashing him and she's trashing him. But he, she's still so determined to get power, so determined to get power. Welcome back, by the way, to our radio listeners who are picking up on Hillary Clinton back in 2016. She is so determined to get power that she figures out one thing she can do. She's got a law firm, Perkins Coie, and Perkins Coie in turn hires Fusion GPS, which is hired as a campaign political smear, smear team. That's what they do. They smear people. They cook up smears and they release them. So they come up with this idea of trying to cook up the Trump-Russia collusion and try to get this story out in the media that somehow Trump is colluding with the Russians to win. So she does this. I mean, you just have to put yourself in that mindset. She believes she's going to get in. It's her turn. Everyone in the Democrat Party told her it's her turn. She's running, and, and still she has to resort to 
cooking up the Trump-Russia collusion. I don't know if she personally did, if it was Fusion GPS or a whole cabal of these snakes in Washington. But in any case, that is cooked up whole cloth by her team. It's made up. It is a smear tactic, very common for, sadly, in political campaigns when the stakes are high in this country. So she cooks this up, and then she authorizes her lawyer, at least according to what Robbie Mook is saying, Mook is saying is, yeah, Hillary said, yeah, go ahead, release this story, which she has to know there is no basis in fact for what she's saying. There's no, there's no Trump-Russia collusion actually occurring. But it was a great story, a great opportunity to smear her opponent, who seemed to be rising in power. And just think of the level of, of, of evil deception, narcissistic evil dishonesty that goes on in that woman's head that she saw that this seemed to get traction. People didn't like that. You mean, you mean Trump might have a, a, t a connection to the Russians? The Russians are going to interfere in our elections? Oh, my gosh. So she fed this story through Sussman to the DOJ, who passes it down to the FBI, and the FBI then spends, I mean, you know, Katie bar the door, millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of hours, and the whole time, just keep putting yourself in her shoes. She knows she made it up. She knows there's nothing to it. But she so wants power. She so wants to be in charge of this country. She's a leftist, just hungry for power, that the fact that she not only unleashed a lie, but she then engaged the, uh, through millions of dollars of man hours, attorney hours, and, and FBI hours of investigation into all sorts of people who didn't do anything wrong, but she's got them working. She's watching this whole, like this, this, this uh, fantasy she has cooked up play out on the American political scene, in newspapers, on news shows, every, you know, the breathless headlines every single day, big, big, big font and, and people bellowing, this is the most outrageous thing. This man cannot be our president because he's colluding with the Russians. And she knows she made, they cooked it up all themselves. It's, it's mind boggling. I mean, I really don't think I know anyone anywhere close to that evil. It's one thing, I, I mean, it is one thing to watch it from the outside and think, that doesn't sound right. But when you know you cooked it up yourself, you know your team fed it to the DOJ, then the FBI, you watch all of the FISA warrants going on, you watch all of the just massive, you know, uh, just chaos you've created in this country. And it's all so you can get to be president. It's all so you get to be the one. You're in charge. So there are just so many outrageous things happening within the uh, trial. I want to share a few of them. By the way, if you don't, if you're on Twitter, you should go to this uh, one guy who's uh, Paul Sperry. He's doing a great, great job laying out. I mean, I could read you his whole Twitter feed, but that would be boring. But I encourage you. Paul Sperry is at, at Paul Sperry, like S-P-E-R-R-Y, at Paul Sperry 30. He's got a great litany just Tweet, 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 tweet of all these outrageous facts involving the current prosecution of Sussman as a result of the Durham investigation under a judge who has every reason, it appears, to be sure that somehow, at least whether he cares about Sussman or not, he cares about protecting the Hillary team. He cares about protecting his friend Obama. He cares about protecting Lisa Page and all these bad actors inside the FBI and DOJ. He cares about all of that. Um, and you know, this Sperry makes the point that Hillary had to know she effectively crippled the Trump presidency and severed the will of half the American electorate. It's not like she just stole the election 
or she tried to steal the election from Trump, or that she, you know, um, undermined him. She stole from the American people the whole writing of the American ship, getting the, America, the country back, pulling the country back from over the cliff of socialism that happened under Obama. Trump ran, whether you love him, hate him, or anything else, he ran to say, we're America. We believe in freedom. We believe in free markets. We believe in a strong country. We believe in secure borders. We believe in our sovereignty. And the American people said, yes, 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 yes. And even with all of the electronic manipulation of voter tabulation software attempted by the left during 2016, Trump literally, and controlled by algorithms, Trump literally, he just broke their algorithms. So many people wanted him for president, they just said, you know, um, they, they just said, no matter what, uh, you know, um, we want this guy for president. And Hillary's, so when she engaged in what she did, she really diminished the ability of the Trump presidency to go after, um, to bring about the agenda he wanted. In fact, Trump didn't have the support, really, of the Republican majority. Um, and all. So there's a bunch of great facts that just, this trial is a charade. Um, and I, I can't urge you strongly enough to read that Wall Street Journal editorial, or I think you might have to have a subscription to Wall Street Journal to read it. And if you don't have it, the other piece that's up at our website, you can read, uh, is from, I think, Fox, you know, from Red State. Wall Street Journal editors eviscerate Hillary lapdog media in blistering op-ed. I mean, and that is the other piece I wanted to bring. Hillary has wreaked havoc on our country for decades. She has wreaked havoc. She has lied. She has lied as the first lady under Bill Clinton. We, you know, we still had, you know, the FBI files showing up in the White House. Nothing of the evil and the dishonesty Hillary has engaged in over decades has ever been brought home to her. She's never been held accountable for any of these scandals for which she was the direct, of which she was a direct cause. Never. She just rolls along and. With, in great part because of the media who just idolized or were afraid of, I don't know what it was, but idolized Hillary and Bill Clinton for decades. I mean, just, you know, she would be the greatest president ever, smartest woman in America, smartest woman alive. She And so she'd just been held up as a, as a, you know, savior to America by the left and never accountable for these just extraordinary extraordinary. The kind of scandals, one such scandal, would destroy anyone else in their political career. Her, she just has a, a, a you know, wasteland full of scandals that she somehow uh, caused harm to others, and she just walks away free. In fact, I want to remind you of something very interesting. Um, just a few months ago, when was this story? This, oh, January. Okay, so yeah, four months ago. In January, a political strategist was talking about, you know, who should the Democrats get who can win in 2024? They're all assuming that Biden either can't or won't run or they won't let him run or whatever. And this really prominent Democrat political strategist said Hillary Clinton is the, this person's word, only viable national candidate for the Democrats in 2024. Only viable national candidate. And this is uh, stra political strategist and pollster Doug Schoen, uh, and he asked what he actually said. So, uh, it, and what's amazing is the people who would, you know, they poll somebody to get that answer. Those people have either no awareness of all of Hillary's astonishing, uh, you know, just laundry list of scandals, or they don't care, or they, they just don't believe them that she wouldn't do that. She seems so nice. 
And so th that's, a, that's their best guy. That's their best person, Hillary. And I think it says a lot about the Democrat Party, but it also says a mountain about the power of the media in this country that if you ask the average person, if you ask the average person, they, they you know, go, maybe I can think of one. Does she, Hillary have any scandals on maybe one? Okay. Also want to point out, so, so this is an astonishing thing to me that Hillary is, is, is getting close to this, if this trial goes forward and Robbie Mook's testimony clearly implicates Hillary and Sussman's found guilty, then he might really be ready for a plea deal. I mean, you know, we, we ever get to Hillary, I mean, seriously, I'm not going to hold my breath, but we might. Um, I also just want to point out one last thing of the power of the media after pushing this astonishing, um, just pushing the astonishing ongoing, long-rolling, steamrolling, Trump-Russia collusion lie, but they presented as truth, is that even after Mueller testified before Congress, and you likely all saw that, Mueller testified whenever he was done with the Mueller investigation, um, because he was asked to look into um, you know, the whole Russia-Trump collusion and try to get to the bottom of what happened. And he finally had to go testify in Congress. And I actually felt sorry for him because he, he does not look he did not sound mentally stable. He sounded like he had been become a bit forgetful, very confused, actually testified, said he didn't know what Fusion GPS was. I mean, anyone paying attention knows what Fusion GPS was. It was the Hillary Clinton campaign smear team company she hired. But Mueller, you know, he finally gets through the investigation. He shows up at Congress. He says, you know what, folks, actually, I can't find a darn thing about it. I, can't, I didn't find a shred of evidence still. I want to tell you, after that testimony, after the Mueller report was out, and after everyone can read the Mueller report and understand there was nothing to the Trump-Russia collusion at all, polling, that was only about a week later, so maybe more people woke up since then, a polling week later said about half of Americans think Trump did collude with the Russians, just Mueller couldn't find it. So these people perpetuate these hoaxes, as Hillary did, because in large part they work especially with some segment of society that won't read, who won't read, who won't comprehend, who only go look at the Washington Post and they think they're informed, which is, you know, beyond idiotic. In any case, um, the, the, uh, we'll probably do more about this trial. I, I have a lot more and a lot more about Hillary, but I think I got to move past this because we'll get to a couple other stories today. Uh, but one last little tidbit about Mueller investigating the whole thing and coming up with nothing is that apparently... In the entire Mueller investigation, which you're looking into a story about Trump-Russia collusion, and, you know, it seems like you might think, you know, what, what does Hillary's team know about this? Why, what, anyway, Mueller never, and his team, never even interviewed Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook. Never even interviewed him, never even asked. Okay, and I have one correction. Thank you for this wonderful listener. So the judge, Casey Cooper, um, who was overseeing the trial of Sussman, um, he was appointed to the bench in 2014 by Obama. So he's an Obama appointee, even more likely to want to humor Susan Rice. And he's, he's roommates with, now is the other correction, he's roommates who was undergrad when he was roommates with Susan Rice's brother. So he's a Yale undergraduate roommate with Susan Rice's brother, went to Stanford Law, finished in 93. So there you have it. That is who is in charge of investigating the biggest, you know, among the biggest scandals ever in American history, or who's overseeing the trial, the just stepping stone, beginning of a trial. I will tell you that many people, as they look at this judge, and they look at what is occurring um, uh, in this trial, um, 
I think people are starting to question more and more whether Durham is really on the side of getting to truth and justice in the American way. John Durham did more than Bill Barr, give him that much. Bill Barr did nothing. But John Durham at least brought it this far. And Durham apparently has a lot more information uh, that he could bring out, a lot more of the uh, document documentation he has, uh, now has possession of because of this, his investigation and this prosecution. But um, there's a lot of talk. He's probably going to let it all go, just let it all go. Um, and that he really may be more on the side of, as Bill Barr was, he said he was in, in favor of preserving the institution, you know, meaning the federal government bureaucracy rather than protecting the American people and the rule of law. Anyway, I'm going to two other quick stories today. Uh, very quickly, um, I call it as a Pelosi abortion and Catholic communion, or maybe three other stories, but I'll be very quick uh, because I took longer than that. But anyway, so you all saw Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the uh, Speaker of the House, the grand dame of the Democrat Party, the woman who's, you know, she holds that Democrat caucus in uh, Congress. You know, she, she uh, is a, she, she's a brutal taskmaster. She tells them what to, how to vote, and they do it. That's pretty much her job. Uh, so Nancy Pelosi was recently told by the archbishop, uh, uh, by the bishop in San Francisco, um, that she, Nancy Pelosi, uh, this guy's this bishop's name was the city's archbishop, Salvatore Cordelione, and Archbishop of San Francisco, Salvatore Cordelione, announced publicly that he would deny Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi Holy Communion over her staunch support for abortion. And I'm, this is not doing the abortion issue today, but I just want to make a comment, very quick comment about that story. Because after this announcement was made, the San Francisco Examiner, another one of the left-wing rags just our country is filled with, San Francisco Examiner actually put out an editorial board piece demanding that the Pope, you know, the actual Pope of the Catholic Church in Rome, remove this archbishop because he had the audacity to say that Nancy Pelosi cannot take communion because she supports abortion uh, very so publicly and so stridently. I don't want to talk about abortion or even the Catholic Church. I, I, have, I am not Catholic. I have many dear friends who are Catholic. I attend a Catholic church quite often. I think it's a great, you know, it's, I, I enjoy going to Catholic services even though I'm not Catholic. But what this really, the most interesting thing of this story to me was, this is how immersed left-wing thinkers are, the San Francisco Examiner editorial board, they cannot figure out that a church and an archbishop, a, a, you know, a high symbol leader of the church, gathers their views, gathers their values, gathers their thinking from truth, from a higher truth than the San Francisco Examiner that the Pope and this Archbishop and the Catholic Church actually believe the Bible is the Word of God. And they actually believe that life is sacred. And they therefore actually believe that abortion is wrong. And I, I mean, I, I, I hope I can adequately convey in words what a, like, a reveal this is, what an unmasking this is of how left-wingers think. They cannot conceive of the fact of the idea that people, especially a church, actually believe in what the scriptures teach, actually believe in the Bible's teaching that life is sacred, that we, you know, do not kill means do not kill. They are so oblivious to, to the importance, the centrality of, of biblical teaching 
to theology, to church, to faith, to Christianity, that this is like, hey, you know what? Uh, this guy, he's not allowed. Nancy Pelosi, she's our gal. You know, she's a left-wing nut job, and she loves abortion, and we love abortion, and so you know, we just we just think this archbishop has to go. I mean, the the audacity of not comprehending how deeply the Catholic Church believes in the sanctity of life, and therefore, because the Catholic Church believes in the sanctity of life. They cannot continue to tolerate Nancy Pelosi, who's a strident um, pro-abortion advocate. I mean, as I say, I'm leaving everything out of this analysis except to say, if you ever need to understand how deeply, deeply rooted leftism is in hating religion, disrespecting faith, disrespecting God, disrespecting the scriptures, disrespecting a church, this is a newspaper that, that their answer to the Catholic Church standing up for his values is that they think the Pope might just remove this uh, archbishop because he stood for the, what Catholic Church has taught since the beginning of time. I mean, the audacity, the arrogance, it's like the San Francisco Examiner thinks they, editorial board, they know more than God, they know more than the Pope, they know more than the archbishop, they know more than everybody, they know what's right, and these idiotic, silly, Christian thinkers who try to say that religion matters and life matters should be just, we're going to put, that's it, we'll write an editorial. We'll say this guy's got to go. I mean, if you ever needed to recognize the, just the utter, uh, I, I can't even think of, I can't think of words you should say on air. Just the utter audacity of this San Francisco Examiner was, yeah, make sure it's the right paper, San Francisco Examiner board that thinks they get to tell the Pope and the Archbishop what the truth is of the theology they believe in. I, I, I find it odd, um, just audacity, just amazing. Okay, very quickly, uh, I'm gonna just skim over this uh, story very quickly. Uh, Davos is happening today. World Economic Forum is meeting happen, uh, is happening today. And also WHO, the World Health Organization, and their Steal America's Sovereignty meeting, which is what they're trying to do. That's all starting today. So lots and lots of things going on about that. Um, I don't have a lot of reporting out of there yet, so I'll probably hit that story tomorrow. But I do want to mention uh, that this famous, incredibly um, confident, outspoken Catholic Archbishop, Carlo Maria Fagano. Archbishop Fagano has actually come out essentially saying what many conservatives are saying, which is, if you let the World Health Organization take over policy for America and the rest of the world related to health care, you are surrendering national sovereignty and he says you should consider it part of a global coup, C-O-U-P, coup, as in coup d'etat, an overthrow. He's saying letting World Health Organization do what they're wanting to do at the bidding of Joe Biden's people, by the way, but taking over the sovereignty on the question of when a pandemic is and what the policy reactions have to be, he's saying, you know what, actually, uh, this is a coup. Uh, this archbishop is amazingly brave. Um, anyway, so I want to hit that story Probably more things coming out of Davos and the World Health Organization uh, more later this week. Last quick story for today. A disinformation SAR, number one, quits. Number two is worse. And I just want to say this about that. Little Miss Mary Poppins, the 33-year-old woman who did a ditzy, you know, I think it was on TikTok, but she did a ditzy little video 
and she and she's she had been briefly appointed in the Department of Homeland Security uh, by assuming by Mayorkas, the DHS head, and assuming with the blessing of Biden and the uh, higher ops or whoever's really running the country isn't Biden. In any case, she had been named that 33-year-old the disinformation czar, and she's supposed to be the one uh, that gets to say what constitutes disinformation. And I think it's really re so anyway. And, and so she's you know 33. She has you know no clue that in the, the, just the grandness of America and the beauty of freedom of speech and the guarantee of the First Amendment, she somehow feels qualified and, and tricked the job. Oh, yeah, that's me. I, I can be information czar, a disinformation czar. She thought it'd be fine with her to have that job. And then she made this video. She sang the uh, Mary Poppins supercalifragilistic, although she substituted her own words having to do with disinformation. And she looked foolish, and she withdrew. She, she's already quit. I want to say, I wish she quit because she figured out that she has absolutely no business as a 33-year-old, a 63-year-old, a 93-year-old. She has no business serving a role in the federal government deciding what truth is. Serving as a disinformation czar. It is so 1984 Orwellian minister of truth. So I'm glad she's out. But just if you th thought things couldn't get worse, the replacement for her, at least temporarily, is Michael Chertoff. He's now going to lead the, lead the disinformation board. He is, he is the co-author of the Patriot Act. Part of what was the, you know, has allowed tremendous spying on the American people and a major perpetrator of the Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy from 2016. So a guy who pushed the conspiracy of Trump-Russia collusion, which had no basis, is now acting disinformation czar. And I, I want, I don't know if I have time, I want to quick try to tell you this thing. A statement was put out by the Homeland Security people, the DHS, this about the disinformation governance board. And they said, you know, the board has been grossly and intentionally mischaracterized. It was never about censorship or policing speech in any manner. Uh, instead, what they say, um, it was instead intended uh, to go after to ensure they fulfill their mission to protect the homeland and false attacks have become a significant distraction from the department's vitally important work to control disinformation that threatens the safety and security. So the information czar, disinformation czar was not put in place to censor, but it was put in place to decide what constitutes a false attack on America and the homeland. Coming from the people who said in February this year, that it is, you may, be, you may be guilty of domestic terrorism if you question the 2020 election or you question COVID policy. So they, they're just, I mean, it's the most Orwellian doublespeak, you know, reversing in, in two sentences what they just said. So now they're looking over and trying, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Again, I'm going to tell you for our radio listeners, you're heading off, and, and this is the end of your time on our show today. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. My website is americacanwetalk.org. You can always listen to the show at americacanwetalk.org and go there. You get all sorts of great information and come back Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Okay, for everybody else, we're going to you know, have more things, but I'm out of time for today. I really I, I do think it's extremely consequential, not just that Mary Poppins had to drop out and that there was a just a you know a, a avalanche of attack and avalanche of attack on the Biden administration about even thinking about the idea of appointing a disinformation czar 
And their answer is to fire the goofball 33-year-old and put somebody else in whose main qualification appears to be he's already really skilled at spreading, spreading disinformation. And no apparent clue out of the Biden team that any of this might be objectionable to people who believe in the First Amendment. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started today talking about Biden monkeying with pox and fear. Biden deep plans in Asia by himself, fully masks, walked over to talk with reporters, unmasked, and all the dignitaries greeting him. Biden claiming monkeypox is something everyone should be concerned about. News items, monkeypox vaccine was developed in 2019, should we need it. Tabletop public health exercise in 2021. I didn't even get to this portion of it. Hypothetically projected monkeypox pandemic starting in May 2022. I'm going to get to that tomorrow. That was a Bill Gates thing, a tabletop public health exercise. They actually predicted monkeypox in May of 2022. Wuhan lab assembled monkeypox genome with PCR tests for it. Paper published in February of 22. Wow. Can't figure that why that would have happened. America's trust in public health authorities is rightfully near zero. Monkeypox has many signals of a contrived fear porn, to use Dr. Malone's words. Hillary did it. Now what? HRC campaign manager Robbie Moot testified under oath that Hillary approved the launch of the Russia collusion hoax. And, and the famous Mueller investigation team never spoke with Moot. Takeaways from the Durham-Sussman trial. Sussman's culpability is minor in relation to Hillary Clinton. Hillary's lying and dirty tricks have done tremendous damage to America. Mueller investigation was a complete sham. Its only purpose was to cover up for Hillary Clinton and the ruling class. And that is a fact. New York Times and Washington Post yet to acknowledge their role in magnifying a fraud against America. Standard ruling class expectation. No Clinton is ever held accountable. Is this the exception? Hillary Clinton appears guilty of plotting and executing a coup attempt in a righteous nation. Punishment should be severe. And on Pelosi abortion and Catholic communion, Catholic bishop announces Pelosi can't take communion. San Francisco examiner immediately calls to the Pope to remove the bishop. A near-perfect encapsulation of leftist religion. Abortion is an absolute right. No other religious teaching is relevant. If Catholicism or Christianity opposes secular leftist religion, the solution is to force Catholicism and Christianity to change to conform to secular leftist religion. Dems are radically out of touch with Judeo-Christian America. And finally, Davos and WHO steal America's sovereignty meeting. Even Catholic Archbishop Vagano recognizes the stealing of sovereignty is treason. And that's exactly what the WHO would like to accomplish. Subjugating all nations of the world to WHO dictates, mandates, and policies. Former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman argues for shutdown of the legislative process until the World Health Organization claims are definitively shut down. But America's alleged Republican leaders are conspicuously silent, gutless, and spineless. Never has an American ruling class been so out of touch with the American people. Massive turnover of elected officials is needed. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 3 p.m. The rest of this week and every week, Monday through Thursday. Great guests upcoming. I mentioned the star of the show. Great conversation about preserving America. And I thank you so very much for listening to America Can We Talk. I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?